Hello there and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast, joined by Chris Woff and Stu Jameson, who are both back off their holidays. We're going to start with myself, I've got a bit of a, a message from Mike Ashley, if he is indeed listening, why wouldn't he be, because it is then UFC podcast, and it's quite simple really, Mike, it's back Rafa, no, no one is expecting you to spend 100 million, even 70 million, but it's clear to me, or it appears to me that over the last two games, that the squad is not good enough. It's not time to panic, but the club is at a crossroads. One leads to somewhere exciting and positive, and the other possibly to the championship. It's that simple. Newcastle are back in the Premier League. Why? Because of Rafa Benitez. St. James Park is sold out every week. Why? Because of Rafa Benitez. Nearly 40,000 season ticket holders. Why? Because Rafa Benitez. I could go on. You see that you can't compete with Manchester City, but I've never seen any fans or even Rafa requests that you do. It's a defence made up out of fiction, in my opinion. The ball is now in your court, back Rafa, because relegation will cost you a lot more in the long run than it will back in Rafa today. Bit passionate, I know, but I mean, yesterday was not pretty to us, was it, Chris? It wasn't, no, just before I get on that. Very, very eloquent. Is that why you were late? Were you preparing that on the bus on the way? It was, that was it. Uh, I'm gone. Gone yesterday. It wasn't, it wasn't pretty. 1 0 defeat the Huddersfield, you know, and it hasn't helped. That result hasn't helped the mood, has it, really, around the camp? No, it wasn't pleasant. I think more so than the result, more so than the performance, it, is, it does feel like the mood around the club has gone in the space of three or four months from one of ecstasy in the promotion and, and the hopes of going forward. Mike Ashley coming out and saying that Rafa Benitez was going to be backed with every last penny generated from promotion and yet here we are, nine, ten days left in the window. You've got a manager who's frustrated, a bunch of players who seem to be bereft of confidence at the minute. They're not sure of their own roles. They're not sure if they have futures at the football club, which has also proven destabilising. Some of those players have basically been told by Rafa that they're likely to be moved on this summer, yet suddenly they've become members of the squad again. You've got Chancellor Mbemba playing left-back, so you've got square pegs and round holes. And basically just a team who didn't look like scoring very frequently. You had the Richie chance in the first half, where he was a bit unlucky, it was a good save, deflected a little bit as well. And then you had Perez in the second half where he should have scored. But apart from that, I have to be honest, as soon as Newcastle fell behind, there, was, there wasn't a point where I thought they were going to equalise. That smacks to me of the team of two years ago when Newcastle were in the Premier League then and struggled. Um, and and it, it is worrying signs. Look, I'm not, I'm not one of these people who's fatalistic at this stage. I remember this time last year, sitting after two defeats in the opening two games, and albeit a completely different situation. And uh, already there was a bit of hysteria generating, but I certainly think that there are worrying signs. It's a huge week and a half coming up for Newcastle, both on and off the pitch. They need to make signings. That squad simply at the minute isn't Premier League ready, as Rafa Benitez himself said yesterday. Uh, I think that they're, they're papering over a lot of the cracks with the way they're trying to play at the moment because the creativity isn't there, particularly with John Joe Shelby's stupid red card last week. He wasn't in the team. And I think that Aaron Moy playing so well for Huddersfield on the other side showed what Newcastle were lacking, that midfield general. And on the pitch, they need a result on Wednesday and they need one on Saturday because you don't want to be going in that international break with no points on the board. That just creates another two weeks of uncertainty, another two weeks of doubt. If you can get a win on Saturday, hopefully the picture could be a lot rosier, particularly if a, if a couple of players come through the door. But at the moment, there, there is... More more questions and answers about Newcastle at the moment, which is certainly not what you want from a promoted side. Huddersfield looks settled. They've strengthened where they need to do. They've brought in a striker who's given them a focal point. Looks like he'll score goals. 
they've added other players they've added pace and likes of Tom Ince that they've they've really had a go at it this summer look Huddersfield have won the first two games they're going to fall off at some stage we know that but it looks like they've tried to address their deficiencies from last season whereas I have to be honest if I look at the Newcastle side at the moment and compare it to the team who came up I don't think it's any better than it was then I mean yesterday to me it just looked like a team that hadn't played together it- you know, most of that team that played were there last season, but they just looked like they didn't really know each other. It was straight passes, it wasn't coherent, it just looked very worrying. It wasn't. I mean, most of that team were there last year, but it was a lot of people playing opposite. Like Mbem- Mbembo was playing left back, albeit I thought he actually played well, okay because yeah. right back during pre season, he played okay, but that's not his natural position. And Marino came into the team and I thought he, he grew into the game, but again, he, he gave the ball away a few times. He's going to take time to adapt to the pace and intensity of the Premier League. And you could see a few times he was caught in possession. Mo Diame came on, didn't look like he was up to the pace of the game either. Dwight Gale doesn't look fit at the moment. We know he didn't have a full pre-season behind him. He didn't play the whole time then. I also Perez didn't look really at the races. Atu fits and starts as, as it is quite often with him. And yeah, I think it is a team... That, that is bereft of confidence at the moment. I think that the fact that every, all the situation around the club, all the uncertainty off the pitch, all the uncertainty with transfers, everything, and I, I, I agree with what Rafa said yesterday, the momentum was lost long before these two defeats. These two defeats have just compounded that and, and basically the players have been on show so people have been able to see that really they are involved in this whole confusion which is engulfing the club. And Stu, do you think that this kind of lack of confidence that appears on the pitch do you think it's down to maybe a lack of leadership on the pitch is it down to maybe the players thinking well we thought we were going to get these certain quality players and it hasn't happened why do you think there is a lack of confidence well I mean I I agree with what Benitez is saying about transfers I think we'd all agree that he should have had a lot more players through the door and a lot more better quality players through the door now but I don't think what he's saying is helping the squad at all Um, if he keeps saying that they're not Premier League ready, well, he's probably right in all honesty, but that doesn't help any of his players. Now, I'm sure he's not saying that in the dressing room, and I'm sure he's giving them the right team talk, and he's a, he's a vastly experienced manager, but you just feel like the, the general lack of optimism that is running through the club is, is now running through into the into the team. And as Chris says, there's only, there's only two matches. They, play, they didn't do badly against Spurs until Shelby's red card, in all fairness. Um, Yesterday was very disappointing against Huddersfield, but they've got two very good chances coming up against Forrest and West Ham to, to sort of sort that out and address it. But they do need to sort of just refocus themselves and, and realise that actually they are decent players. Matt Ritchie's a you know, cracking player. They've got some excellent players. Um, and I just don't feel that the, the message is at the minute, you're not quite good enough from everyone, from the pundits, but even from the manager almost. And I, I don't think that's particularly good, even if we all agree with this at the end of the day. I agree with that. And I think the point that I was trying to make before with the players was... You look at the team yesterday on the bench, you had Henri Seve, who's basically been told to go and find another club. You've got Carl Darlow, who Benitez again admitted the other day, he'd said earlier in the summer they were going to consider offers for. You've got players within that team, within that squad, the likes of Grant Hanley wasn't in the, even in the matchday squad, who Benitez thought were going to have gone by now. So he has a lot of players who basically said, look, you're not going to come with us on this Premier League journey, who he's now having to rely upon. And that in itself is creating problems. I'm not saying that's Benitez's fault necessarily because he wanted to get rid of them, but in hindsight, maybe you would have thought differently if if the transfer policy had, if he'd known at an early stage that he wasn't going to be able to move players on as easy and bring them in, he perhaps wouldn't have been as brutally honest with them as he has been privately. And of course, Benitez isn't exactly you know. He's, there are issues 
from how he's approached it, do you think? I mean, obviously, this question is now about formation. This question's like we've addressed the way he's addressing the press about the squad. I mean, how do you how do you think Rafa is approaching it? Is it is it, is it doing it in the right way? Yeah, I, I have to be honest. I've seen over the last couple of days people saying that the Newcastle aren't really having a go, and I can see where they come from to a certain extent. But I think that what Benitez is trying to do is damage the limitation at the moment. He's hoping that in the next two weeks there are going to be players arrive, and that he's going to have people come back from injuries so that he can put out a side who he thinks can win games. People are talking about why didn't he play Mitrovic, why didn't he play two up front. I think they would have got beaten just more comfortably if he'd done that. He's, he's playing a system which at the moment does very much look like we're going to try not to get beat. Yes, if you fall behind, you're struggling with that. But Rafa Benitez has never been one to play up two up front. Am I saying he's never going to do it? No, but I, I, I just can't see him suddenly reverting to type and thinking. Possibly at home against West Ham, look, maybe he will go a bit more attacking. But in his first two games, you've had Spurs at home, the team who were runners-up last season. You've had Huddersfield away, and the first game in the top flight in more than 45 years. They knew they were going to have to sit and contain. First half an hour, they did that, and they were doing okay. It was one stupid defensive lapse at the start of the second half, which cost them. I don't think team selection necessarily... Possibly you could argue maybe someone like Murphy or whatnot, he made a little bit of impact when he came on. But I just I don't see necessarily what he could do that much differently. If I'm it need a, a proper number 10 still. We've said this all through last season, said all throughout the summer, and we're saying it again. If this is the way Benitez wants to play, so he's always played, and that's perfectly fine. It's served him well. But if we're going to have that number 10 role, they need to have a proper player who can play the number 10 role with, when, when they're under pressure and drop into midfield. But when they need to go on the front foot, is a proper forward and creative role. As as much as I like Ozzy Perez, I think he's, he's a very good player, a lot of talent, great attitude. I don't feel that that's his best position to be honest with you. has never done it for me either. And, and as Benitez, I think, has said himself, they need someone in that number ten role. But like you mentioned it's, it's not just been this summer; it was all of last season as well that he's been crying out for that number ten. So here we are, maybe a year since that kind of yeah. that started. So why is Benitez still then persistent? with this formation if unfortunately he's not going to get that number 10 player that he wants because when you speak to Benitez Benitez is all up, it's one of his favourite terms is balance he likes balance on his side he believes that formation with the current players he has brings the most balance going forward they aren't as potent as they could be if they had that number 10 I think it would be a different story because I, th- I think at the moment defences in the Premier League are quite happy to just sit off that number 10 a little bit because they're not sure that he's going to have the the game split and pass which is really going to affect them but in terms of those two sitting midfielders the wingers out wide who can drop deeper I mean in defence yesterday Newcastle were almost 4-4-2 Perez would push up the wingers spread wide and it was it was two banks of four plus two up front so it's not that it's a it's a set in stone rigid 4-2-3-1 it's a very fluid system which changes the midfield three tend to change a little bit Marino was going a little bit further forward Shelby does that on occasion when he's playing and it, he undoubtedly does want a different number 10, but at the moment he thinks that the best he can get out of that side is that 4-2-3-1 formation. It's tried and tested in his view. It got them promoted last season, albeit without the number 10 we all think they should have. At the moment it isn't quite working, and I do agree though with Stu that for that formation to really thrive in the Premier League, it needs that creative force and that number 10 role. Where's Sim Dijon? I mean, he just not, he's not been in the first uh, two matchday squads. You know, He's clearly got ability... Questions, obviously, whether he's ever going to be fully fit. The strength of him is also another aspect. But where where is he? I mean, does Benitez just totally? Do you think ruled him out of you know out of ever making it at St James's Park? I don't think he's completely ruled him out of ever making it. But I've said it most of the summer. I don't see him being 
heavily involved in the first team this season. He's someone I could see once he does build up some strength and some fitness, being on the bench and possibly being another option during the second half of games. In theory, he should be that perfect number 10 role, as we saw in the first game against Hearts, albeit a poor Hearts side, we gave him loads of space. What he is capable of with that turn and ball through to Dwight Gale. He is a creative force. In theory, he can, he can bring a lot of goals as well, as, as we've seen across the Netherlands. But durability-wise, I think there are serious doubts about him, and also just physicality-wise in general. When he has played in the Premier League in the past, he's been knocked off the ball quite easily. If there's one thing I would say, and Jose uh, Perez's favourite at the moment, is that over the last 6-12 to 12 months, I think he really has improved that part of his game. He's not getting knocked off the ball anywhere near as much as he was before. He's still not perfect, no st- by no stretch of imagination, but he has improved that part of his game. And I think that for CM Dion, it's about proving that physically he is capable of doing it. It doesn't seem like there's that much interest in him going elsewhere. Uh, I'm not saying he won't leave before the end of the window, but I don't think there's that much interest at this stage. So I see him being in and around the squad, and if he is, then I expect him to be near the 25, and then we could see a bit of him. But I think it's about building his core fitness and making sure he, he can prove he's durable enough to survive in the Premier League. For you, Stu, if Rafa doesn't manage to bring in a number 10, is it stick with that formation, do you think? And who, who would be your, your, your choice out of the players that are there now? I, I, would, I would love to see Dion get, get a chance, although I think what Chris has said is exactly right when he's had the opportunity before he's not really convinced he did play I don't know I don't know quite why his fitness isn't up there if that's not the case because he did play quite a lot in Holland last year he did pretty much all the summer um, in pre-season um, so it's interesting that he's not even on the bench because um, I think he does he, he should have a role to play I'll be tempted I'll be tempted to go up with, 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 with Joe Salou and, and Dwight Gale and just get one of them to, to drop a bit deeper I think they can just alternate it Um you can just have you can play two forwards without having them both have to be standing up front on the halfway line all the time when you when you I mean you haven't got the ball. Um, I think Gale needs somebody who to give him reliable service. Um, obviously, last season a lot of time that was Matt Ritchie and Shelby. Uh, but if those two threats are, are nullified, which can happen in the Premier League, you need someone else. Now, obviously, Atsu or Jacob Murphy is going to come in, and you know Atsu had a good first game, but they just need to keep having different options available. To keep uh, supplying Dwight Gill because Gill's a great player, but doesn't create his own chances. To be fair, and that's, that's fine. That's not his game, but he, he finishes them. Uh, and I just think that there's a there's a big gap missing, which isn't supplying chances to Gill when when the other when the other supply lines are dried up. Personally, I, I'd like to give De Jong a go, but if not, uh, I'll I'll play two strikers. I would quite like to see Matt Ritchie switch into that role. At least give it a try. Have, a lot of people have said that he played it. F- albeit for just a few minutes during pre-season for a little bit you now have options out wide if they do get Kennedy in and potentially another winger then you're going to have several options out wide you want Richie in that team somewhere there was talk and I think they were, they've tried it slightly in training of pushing Shelby a bit further forward I don't think that's likely now um, but you could in theory have Atsu on one side Murphy on the other and Richie in that number 10 role and almost alternated as well. Interestingly, when you say about Hosselu, when Hosselu came on at the weekend, at first it was Perez through the middle and Hosselu more to the left. So you have that option there that Hosselu can play a little bit further wide. And, and in theory, if you almost switched it from 4-2-3-1 to a 4-3-3 almost, a bit more fluid in that sense, possibly him and Gale could work. But someone I would like to see, given, because I do think he's got the vision and I think he's got the ability to score goals from it in number 10 roles, Matt Ritchie. Shelby's an interesting one. If you've got Marino and Hayden playing as holding midfielders, it could be could possible. It, it could stand them out of the work Shelby's got to get through as well, doesn't it? We'll go on to Shelby, obviously, in that daft red card in suspension, how that affects the team. But I just want to ask about Dwight Gale. I mean, my personal opinion is that if you're in the Premier League, 
caught me being the lone striker up top. He's far too isolated. I don't think there's the creativity to get the ball kind of round the back and he can run onto it. I just don't think Newcastle have the capability to do that. Now, for me, four four two would be the ideal. I think it would be ideal for the likes of Mitrovic and Joslu. But I mean, like you said, Benitez just doesn't fancy that kind of formation. Never has done. I can't see four four two personally. Possibly in home games, maybe, but I can't see him playing four four two. That's not to say I can't see him playing two of them up front. I, I find it unlikely that Mitrovic and Gale are likely to play together frequently. But as I've just said with with Hosselu, Hosselu can play a bit further wide. He's not necessarily just a lone front man, although he is quite a big, big bloke. Um, so I could see in theory him switching it a little bit and as I've said be have Hosselu either as the number 10 almost or withdrawn forward or have it as a 4-3-3 that might give you a few extra options might help Dwight Gale up a little bit um, I think one of the issues with Newcastle at the moment is that they look a little bit lightweight going forward that front line on Sunday if you look at it compared to, to Huddersfield where they had Munier up top they have Tomins, who, who, who was quick going past him. He had a few different options there. You've got uh, Kachunga on the other side, albeit who, who survived uh, what should have been a red yeah, card after definitely. three minutes. Um, and you look at Newcastle's and you see you've got Richie, Atsu, Perez, and Gale. And I mean, the average height there must be about five foot eight, five foot nine, if that. And neither of them are, are not, and none of the four of them are particularly bulky people I think that they are lacking little physicality I think that was the logic behind Diarmi playing number 10 last year didn't quite work out because I just don't think he's a player and play with the back to goal I think he's someone who breaks deep from midfield but that does concern me a little bit if you don't have the legs of Hosselu in the team I do think up front they are a little bit lightweight What is Dwight Gale's best uh, what is the best formation for Dwight Gale to prosper in the Premier League do you think? I think he can work in a four-two-three-one. I just think it needs a bit of physicality somewhere either in the number 10 role or someone like Hosselu playing to the side of him it's just, as, as Stu says that the importance is, is giving him the service a few times in the first couple of games Newcastle have reverted to, to long ball football out wide almost a diagonal long field passes and I mean it's, it's doing nobody any favours it's not doing Gale any favours it's not doing Newcastle any favours because they inevitably lose the ball I think it's about precision in attack uh, making sure that, that you give him the right service so that he can exploit Premier League defences at the moment I don't think he's getting that I don't think he looks match fit either he looks like he's lacking confidence and I think all all of it is contributing together for people going oh Dwight Gale he, he can't perform the Premier League I don't think that's necessarily the case no, Gale's got the intelligence you can see when he, the runs he makes he's, he's got the, the, the intelligence and the, the now to be a Premier League striker you know he's got the finishing ability I don't know that really matters what league you're in although obviously the lower down the leagues you go the more space you get but he's shown he's got the finishing ability to be a Premier League striker. It's just all about the service. He's, as I said before, he's not going to create his own chances. Um, so they've just got to keep on getting decent balls into him as well. And obviously that means not just high balls up front or you know getting that wide and or lumping across in from 30 yards out, which defenders, are, Premier League defenders are going to eat up. Championship defenders hit, hit them all, but that's not the goals Dwight, scored, Dwight Gale was scoring last season, was it? And Jocelyn obviously came on for what was the last fifteen twenty minutes something like that. He impressed, you know. There was he held up the ball well. He had a couple of shots on goal. Okay, they weren't really ever going to trouble the keeper, but he, he did. He did impress people. He looked alright. It was actually a bit longer. I think he was doing about the fifty third minute. He came yeah. on because um, Gale went off, um, and as I say, first he went left for a little bit, and then him and Perez switched. And I, I was I was reasonably impressed. He did hold the ball up quite well. He, he won a few challenges in the air. He chased things. Had a couple of half chances, not even half chances, really quarter chances, which 
he wasn't exactly convincing with. I think that's my one problem with, with, with this this saying is I think that he will offer something to the team, but what Newcastle didn't have two years ago and the reason they went down as obvious as sound was goals. Do I see him being a 15 goal a season striker at this stage? I don't. I hope I'm wrong. Rafa said that they were impressed with him yeah, lower down in his career and that they've tracked him and that they think he has the capability of producing 10 to 15 goals. I hope he's right because at this stage I just don't see him being the guy. I, I think Gale's going to have to be the main source of goals at this stage. But I think he's, some, he's someone who would offer something to the team. But whether that's more all round rather than goals, that that's my immediate first impression of him. What he's likely to, to offer. And a lot of questions from fans: uh, Is Rafa Benitez looking for another striker? I know last week you guys were on holiday, but he did say that it's kind of forward wise. That's all done and dusted now, unless someone comes in for a big bid for Mitrovic. Um, but do you, what's your understanding? Is that it now for for the centre forward? Unless Mitrovic goes, that that's my understanding. The likelihood is that they're trying to get other players through the door. I'm not ruling out anything completely, but unless Mitrovic goes, I can't see an out-and-out forward. There might be someone who can play in a few different positions comes in, but unless Mitrovic was to go because a big bid came in for him, I don't see I don't see another you know, striker. Although I know that in the summer Rafa did want to, but I don't think he I think he realises now he's unlikely to get that. And it wouldn't be uh, fair to talk about strikers and transfers without mentioning this Andy Cowling, which appears to pop up every summer every January for the last God knows how long West Ham the day apparently said that he won't be heading out on loan Newcastle have played down the move I mean Stu it would be one of those kind of fairy tale moves but I mean Carroll's always injured it's going to cost a lot of money it's just uh, it's, it's not going to be a pivot transfer is it? No it, it, none of the pieces add up really is it when you move to Newcastle I actually, I actually think he's a, he's a bit of an underrated player I think he's a, he's a very talented player but I, I don't think he's the right fit for Newcastle at the minute He's, he's not. He wouldn't fit into how Benitez wants to play. You already seen that he doesn't really want to play Mitrovic. Um, with, he doesn't want to have a, a tall striker up front. Um, he doesn't really want to play a tall striker alongside Dwight Gale. So it, none of the pieces seem to add up really for me. Um, it'd be interesting, wouldn't it, to see him back at Newcastle? But I don't know that's going to happen. And obviously Wednesday now the, the, the cup game, which is if Newcastle win, the the, the draws in at what four in the morning. Four fifteen. Four fifteen. So yeah, I, don't get up fifteen minutes early. Are you getting up for that? You think for the draw? Ooh, I'll be tightly tucked up in bed. I think. Okay. Still be up in the forest <laughs> match. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's 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 a big game. I mean, because Newcastle really could do with a win just to get that confidence around. And you know, the ticket prices. I think it's ten pound for adults, five pound for kids. So it's potentially going to be a lot of people there. We you know we always get uh, bigger tents for cup games anyway. But, I mean, Newcastle really do need a win on Wednesday, don't they, Chris? They do need a win, very much so, for confidence, to get the season kick-started. You do remember the season they went down under and, uh, and McLaren, they got dumped out of the cup by Sheffield Wednesday at home, a Sheffield Wednesday reserve side at home. It would just, if they were to lose to Nottingham Forest, it would just compound the whole negative situation at the minute. If anything, it would give them a lift, they would, they would be off the mark in terms of wins, and it would give them a bit of momentum and confidence going into Saturday against West Ham the international break. I have to be honest, I'm intrigued just to see what Rafa's going to do with the team. We haven't spoken to him yet in terms of for this game, that press conference is tomorrow. I'm intrigued because we know he's already got limited options, particularly in defence. He didn't even have a defender on the bench at the weekend. Is he going to? T- he's talking about how he wants to take up seriously, but then at the same time in, in January in the FA Cup, he almost used it as a as a political message to Mike Ashley to show him he needed players. He brought in under twenty threes, someone like Yassin Ben Almani out on the wing. He had a couple of defenders in there as well, players who, albeit, have done well in the under twenty threes, but were they really first team ready? I think that was questionable. 
he gave them that opportunity. Newcastle got turned over at Oxford, in all honesty, it was a very poor performance that deservedly were beaten. Is he going to do the same? Is it going to be the fact that he can't? Because it's it's a catch twenty two situation. If he puts out his first team and gets an injury, everyone will say he should have put out more of a reserve team. If he plays a reserve team and they get beat, then everyone says he's not taking the cup seriously. It's a very difficult balancing act he's got at the moment. I expect to see the likes of Mitrovic start, possibly Hosselu actually. Hosselu might get a full full ninety minutes, but then in other positions he needs to protect in midfield because he isn't going to have Shelby on Saturday either. Can he risk both Marino and Hayden? We know Callback's likely to leave this summer, or at least it is available for transfer, so will he come back in the reckoning? Defensively, can he risk both Clark and Lascelles? If not, what's he going to do? Is there going to be someone brought up from the under-23s? It's a very, very difficult balancing act I think he's got, and it's become all of a sudden a very important game for Newcastle for all these reasons and more. Stu, can you see Freddie Woodman taking, taking the, uh, the shirt on Wednesday? And, um, I don't see why not. I think it's a perfect chance for him really, isn't it? Um, Benita says he wants him to stay until January at the least um, and play for the under-23s. I think he's he needs to give Woodman a chance at some stage, I think, um, just to show him that he does have some confidence in him and that he can. Uh, he, he wants to see him play in the first team. And I think this is the perfect chance. I mean, I, I've got no problem with Rob Elliott or Cardalo, but if Darlo is surplus to requirements, then might as well play Elliott. Just give him... Um, sorry, not Elliott. Um, might as well play Woodman. Just give him a bit of a chance, give him a bit of a confidence boost and let him know that he's not just going to be literally playing in the under-23s all, all season until until January at the earliest. Yeah, I've got the likes of Stuart Finley, who could maybe go at centre-back. Obviously, Victor Fernandes is one that excites the crowd. But like you said, it, it will be a tough decision because Newcastle are maybe one or two, possibly just three injuries away from absolute uh, chaotic scenes, really, because if they lose their key players, like you say, then... Where does that leave Benitez for, for Saturday? Saturday, Sunday? Saturday. Saturday, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, and that, what I'm saying is it's not meant to be any uh, negative on, on the under-23s. I, I saw a lot of the under-23s in pre-season. They've started the season very well. I think there are some talented players in there. I just think that the fact that these players aren't week in, week out training with the first team, it's very un like to suddenly bring these players in from nowhere, which is why it was so surprising in January. You even see it with new signings. He very rarely certainly starts them, but even puts them on the bench. That was shows you how lacking in options he is at the moment that Hosselu came straight onto the bench at the weekend. Um, but the, you'd have to hope that if he does put does pick some of these youngsters, he has the faith in them. You, you would no doubt he's not going to pick players he doesn't believe in. But it is, about, it is a, a protection act as well as... If they'd won one of the first two games, you would have been able to probably have a free hit on Wednesday and said, oh, I'll play a bit of a stronger team. But now the fact that, that they are two games, 0.0 goals, they need a win on Saturday, you've got to balance the fact that you need to create momentum from Wednesday as well as protect your players. And it's going to be interesting to see how Benitez manages to do that with the depleted squad that he has at his disposal. You think we'll see Jacob Murphy, wouldn't you, on Wednesday? Yeah, I think probably Murphy, probably oh, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. Um, be interested to see if someone like Seve gets a game because he was on the bench at the weekend. I mean, honestly, he's one of those. He's probably the only one out of the the so-called exiled few who've got in the twenty threes that could possibly force his way back into to the first team squad. Probably not the first team eleven, but certainly the first team squad, as was shown yesterday. Yeah, I mean, for a start, he covers quite a few positions. I mean, I know a few people saying about him playing centre back during pre season and that that was why he was on the bench. I think he was on the bench because he can play defensive midfield or full back and that you had other options who could have gone centre-back in terms of Mbemba could have switched back in, uh, Hayden can go centre-back, Marino can play centre-back. Uh, but uh, Rafa likes versatile players, it hasn't worked out with Sevier for whatever reason, and the, the in his heart of hearts he would like, Rafa would like to sell him, but 
if he had to keep him, he's someone who he could put on the bench, uh, covers a few positions, as I've said, with those injuries. And so in these games where he needs to, in these cup games where he needs to protect him as other players, perhaps he is someone who he could play uh, in, in some of the positions where he thinks, I need, I need to rest that player because I can't afford him to get injured. And the way this season started, I'm just going to put out there, uh, Vernon and Nita leaving. I mean, how they could have done with maybe Vernon and Nita in the last two weeks? Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we don't know quite what's gone on there with the, the contract offer. With the, if there was one, it wasn't quite what Anita and these people wanted or, or whatever. But um, I think, yeah, I, I was sorry to see him go. I think he's he could have been playing that centre midfield role. Could have been playing right back to allow Mankiel to play left back on uh, on Sunday. Um, yeah, it's a shame for me he left. But uh, was he Premier League quality? He didn't particularly show too much in there in his time in the Premier League. So I think. It was another one of those where, where Rafa expected to have more players through the door when when he left. And uh, Chris, prediction wise on on Wednesday, we're going to do this for every game. So prediction wise, score. I mean, this is a very hard one because of the fact that we don't know the team. But I am going to say that Newcastle are going to get the first win this season. Uh, I'm going to go three one Newcastle because I expect uh, Darren Murphy to score if he plays. <laughs> Stu, yourself prediction? I was going to say two 0 uh, and then I remember Darren Murphy. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, but I'll stick with 2-0 stick with me gut instinct and then obviously it's West Ham and them themselves spent a heck of a lot of money but haven't had the best start and Billage seems to be I mean my opinion he's kind of a dead man walking so to speak he nearly reportedly went in the summer they've given him kind of a stay of execution I mean looking at West Ham it can't be too long maybe before he gets gets sent back and if the bad start continues yeah, I've seen a few people saying that the ironic thing is that Newcastle could win on Saturday and that could almost uh, further Rafa Benitez's move towards the exit door because then it could quicken up uh, Slavon Bilic getting fired from West Ham and then they might come calling for Rafa Benitez. I don't necessarily see that in the, in the short term. I think I think they'll give Bilic a little bit longer, but as you see, they have spent a lot of money to be fair on them. Things haven't really been going for them, but that, that's what happens when you are a side who are struggling. Newcastle would point to the same with the fact that there should have been a red card three minutes at the weekend. Javier Hernandez came in, scored a couple of goals at the weekend. They are scoring goals, West Ham. They are looking dangerous, but they're also conceding goals. And, and, and from Newcastle's point of view, I think that's a positive because Newcastle don't look like scoring that much. So you'd hope against a team who are struggling at the back that they will be able to exploit that a little bit in Newcastle. And you've got a team coming up who... Uh, there is a lot of pressure on West Ham as well as on Newcastle um, as I say I think Wednesday will have a big bearing on what happens on Saturday if Newcastle can win midweek that'll give them a bit of momentum going forward if they were to lose I think the nervous tension w- w- would grow further and I don't think that would be healthy but I, I, I think the next I think they will get two positive results I think they'll win midweek and I think they'll either draw or win on Saturday I, I firmly believe that we'll see results on the field start to pick up and I hope that that is aided with a few players arrive off the field because, as, as Stu said, I, I think the whole situation around Rafa visibly being annoyed at the whole and frustrated with the whole situation and the players themselves lacking confidence, I think at the moment it's a vicious cycle which is just bringing a dark cloud over the club and that needs lifting and hopefully in the next 10 days there can be... Uh, those dark clouds can be shifted a little bit. That's the positivity that we like. But it, West Ham are an interesting club. I mean, they have spent a lot of money. You know, players will be on 130,000, 140,000. Newcastle fans a little bit envious. Obviously, they've gone out and got Hernandez. I mean, Newcastle fans would love Hernandez up front, but it's the cost. You know, the wages are astronomical. But interestingly, they will need to be successful in the next few seasons because, in my opinion, the spending that they've done is not sustainable if they keep finishing 
mid-table in a relegation battle, what have you. And it, it kind of, you look at the way Mike Ashley's approaching things, and on one hand, it's a bit more sensible, Chris, you think. Well, I can see the grimace, maybe. I can see your point to a certain extent, but the difference between West Ham and Newcastle is West Ham have been in the Premier League the last few years. West Ham have already got that money in the bank from the last few years. West Ham got a stadium uh, which is, is, is helping generate a lot of money for them. They're, they're, they're not quite filling out, but they're getting big crowds in there. They're getting money from that. They're getting bigger sponsorship deals. They're positioning themselves as the London club rather than just West Ham. And they certainly uh, are making progress in that regard. So I think the fact they've already got that money in the bank is it sustainable? Probably not at the levels of spending they're doing at the moment, but I think that what they're doing is front-loading to a certain extent, get some players in, hope that they do start to finish a bit higher, and then that's going to aid them. I'm not totally adverse to Mike Ashley's way of thinking, but I think the issue he's got is that neither has Rafa Benitez, but Rafa Benitez hasn't been delivered what he's promised. Rafa Benitez didn't expect huge swathes of money this summer. What he did expect was the ability to move players on, which, albeit is not all... Mike Ashley and, and Lee Charney's fault. Some of these players, A, don't want to go because they're on so much money. B, there isn't interest there. C, people can't afford them. There's a whole host of reasons why they can't get players off the books. But I think it's, at some point you've got to cut your losses and make sure you do get rid of them. And you've got to speculate to accumulate to a certain degree. Newcastle were looking at loan deals, albeit expensive ones, for the likes of Tammy Abraham. They were looking at the likes of Willie Caballero and Pepe Arena. Players who perhaps long term aren't going to be the club that long, but that what they could have offered the club in the next eighteen months, two years, would help stabilise this club, get them the money they need over the next couple of years to be able to self sustain itself. And I think at the moment, um, it's the fact that the squad doesn't look Premier League ready. Rafa has said that himself, and I think that everyone knows that. Uh, and I think that that's that's more of the issue. It's not it's not the lack of spending; it's the lack of activity. And I think there's a difference. There's a subtle difference, and I think it is affecting Newcastle at the moment. And we'll head on the transfers now. Pepperino reported to be uh, about to hand in a transfer request, and that. I mean, what's your understanding? Is that saga all but over, or it just does not seem to be going away this summer? No, it hasn't been going away. He was someone who Rafa certainly certainly wanted. There was uh, it was interesting that in the last few weeks of last season, he was already someone he wouldn't refuse to completely play down any talk of interest in him. Newcastle certainly tried to go there, or Rafa certainly tried to get that one over the line. He's embroiled in a bit of a political situation at Napoli. Uh, it's all a bit difficult for them at the moment, and it isn't uh, quite happening. So, um, sorry, there was just someone opened the door there, so I got a bit <laughs> put off my thought, trail of thought. Um, but uh, he's someone Rafa would like, but my understanding was Newcastle as a club would pretty adamant financially it wasn't possible and they were looking at their options but those other options haven't arrived if Pepe Arena does hand in a transfer request as some publications are reporting then he's someone I think Rafa would certainly be interested in going back in for he's just going to have to convince those above him that, that it's financially viable Fantastic that message was that your two o'clock is in reception so we're going to wrap this up um, in just a moment the other question I want to ask is uh, and I've totally lost my train of thought as well there no I'm back on it now Priority, Stu, do you think it's a striker? Do you think it's a, it's a defender? What would you like to see coming in over the next the next couple of weeks? Uh, creative midfielder. So neither of the options I've put on neither, the neither, <laughs> <laughs> Basically, whatever you said, the opposite of that. No, um, yeah, I just just going back to what we said before, I do do believe that they... I don't want to say they lack, they lack creativity, because I don't think that's true, to be fair. I just think they need to increase their creative options, uh, because in the in the Premier League... 
there's going to be games when Matt Ritchie, as good as he is, is marked out of the game. Um, there's going to be times when Shelby, as good as he is, just isn't getting on the ball enough or he's being closed down too quickly and they just need to have three or four or as many as they can options that they can turn to. When, when Yedlin's back fit, he's another option, of course, down, down for um, in a sort of wing-back role almost, getting forward. But they just need to have different players that can turn to each time to create chances. Because otherwise, it sounds silly, because it's any league, if you, if you don't create chances, you don't score. But the chances aren't going to present themselves without Newcastle half to create every single chance in the Premier League. And Chris, same question you. Where would you where do you think is the priority for, for Rafa? Well, I agree, agree with Stu in terms of the creativity thing. I think it's a lack of cutting edge is what Newcastle don't have at the minute. I don't think they've got necessarily that proven Premier League quality. And I think I would say attacker midfield as well, someone who can possibly play just off the forward or slightly wider, who's going to bring goals. That That's what I would personally like to see. I think they are a bit light there. I still think they need... I mean, Rafa believes they need a goalkeeper, so therefore I think they need to buy a goalkeeper. And I still think they need another defensive option, particularly with the fact that it looks like they're going to be without Lejeune and Dummett for at least a few weeks, if not a bit longer. So, But, I mean, priority-wise, I would, I would prioritise as a midfielder. And any names, any business that you think is going on that you've heard? I mean, obviously, Dennis Pryor is, is one name that's, that's been linked. I mean, is there anything that you can... You can give the fans and instill a bit of hope. In, in the well, he's someone he's someone that they've looked at for a good couple of years. Actually, I looked at him back when he was at Anderlecht. He's someone who they've assessed, and they're still trying to work out whether a they can afford it and b he is the sort of player they want. I mean, he's he's a, he's a midfielder. He is quite creative. He's someone who could bring in and play in a few different positions. Kennedy is someone they're still chasing. They'd like that one. I know there was reports over the weekend about Michi Bashwai. I don't think that one's likely for a whole number of reasons, one of which is that the fact that if they get Kennedy, then Batshuayi can't happen anyway on loan. Um, so, I mean, they're the two main ones. I still think that Rafa is pushing for a goalkeeper. I think that's why this Reina stuff's resurfaced as well, because I think his agent's getting involved. They'd be quite keen uh, for that one to happen. Whether I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised at this stage if it's Reina, but I still think Rafa wants a goalkeeper. So I'm still hopeful that two or three more will arrive. And just finally, short term, if Rafa doesn't get the players in, where does that leave where does that leave Newcastle? Or is it too early to say? I think it's too early to say, but I don't see Rafa necessarily walking. I think that the fact that he would have to pay up part of his contract, I think is going to be against that. But I think that the momentum is going to be hard to wrestle back if they don't at least get in one or two extra bodies and get a win over the next... Uh, to get one or two wins over the next couple of games. I think it's a, a crucial going in that international period that they wrestle some momentum back, both on and off the pitch. And then, hopefully, by the start of September, we can be talking about looking positively forward rather than back on a window, which has been frustrating. And finally, we'll just finish on some trivia, albeit slightly depressing. Do you know the last time that Newcastle lost their two opening Premier League games? Well, I saw you tweet this yesterday, so I'll leave Stu to answer it. Go on, you're a bit of a trivia man. Mm. Uh, the last two opening... Uh, no, I don't. Go on, just have to put it on my misery. 99 to 2000. Do you know the first game they won? It's quite a memorable game. What's this? Hmm? Is this the 8-0? This is the 8-0, yeah. Ah, uh, of course, yeah. So, you know, I just... Aaron Hughes. I mean, in the office you are like a trivia yeah. man and then I present a question. Just make you look good. Anyway, next week we'll try and get a better question and a better answer from uh, our guests. But join us on chroniclelive.co.uk for the latest Newcastle United news and we will be back next week uh, hopefully with some new signings and a bit more positive results uh, and news to report thank you very much